Thank you so much, Brian, for sharing with us in all three services this morning. We appreciate your gift. Matthew 419. Does it ring a bell with you? It may not, but the words will. Matthew 419, Jesus said, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You know that verse. If you read it in New International Version, it's follow me, I will teach you to fish for people. Follow me. We're going to think about following this morning. And to begin, we've got a little visual illustration for you. Um, so I need to get my volunteers here, and we're going to ask you to kind of watch and follow along. And uh, our camera crew already knows we're going to be moving around a little bit, so they'll keep up with us. How many of you remember sometime in your life playing this, I guess it's a game, follow the leader? How many of you played follow the leader somewhere? You know, it was always fun to be in the line following the leader, but the best part's when you get to be the leader, right? Well going to follow the leader for just a couple minutes this morning and I want you to see what you can observe. You guys ready? Let's play follow the leader. Different followers, different kinds of followers. As we think about this morning, following, come follow me. Which of the three followers you just observed best represents us at our current level of following Jesus? Think about that question as we read a scripture together from Luke chapter 9, beginning at verse 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first, let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead 
bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. From Luke's gospel, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It's an invitation. It's also a definition of discipleship. All rolled into one verse. Follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Today I want to focus on the follow me part of that. We'll explore follow me, but in the context of the Luke 9 passage we just read. So what does Jesus communicate in these verses from Luke chapter 9 we just read? Do his words seem a bit surprising to you at all? I mean... He invites people to follow, but it's almost like he's being discouraging to potential followers rather than saying, yes, come on, this will be a piece of cake. To the one who wants to follow him, Jesus responds with, foxes have dens and the birds of the air have their nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Then to another potential follower, he says, let the dead bury their own dead. You proclaim the kingdom of God. And to still another one, Jesus replies, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom. Do those sound like responses of somebody who's just said, come follow me? Did they sound like, I really want you to do this? I mean, why in the world would Jesus respond that way to three people who are willing to follow? Initially, these instructions to would-be disciples might seem a little harsh, maybe unreasonable. I don't know. Um, no time to arrange for a funeral, even for a parent. No time to say goodbye to family or friends. No one who looks back is fit for the kingdom. These responses remind us that there are always seemingly justifiable excuses to delay the commitment to fully follow Jesus. There are always important matters that will compete for our attention, for our time, and for our energy. But understand, we're not just talking about being good people. We're not just talking about going to church when we can. We're talking about really following Jesus. Following to the max the one we say is our leader. But you know, today following means so many different things and we use it in so many different ways, different contexts. I follow the Cincinnati Reds because I've done that since I was seven or eight years old and I'm a diehard fan and I follow them faithfully even when they stink it up big time, which they've done um, several years. But I follow them. 
I follow certain people on Twitter and Instagram because I'm interested in what's going on in their lives and how they want to share that with the people who follow them on social media. I can follow what's going on in a TV series by streaming it, like Jeremy talked about last week with streaming alone. But then we also live in a world that tells us you follow what you want, you do what you want, as long as you follow your heart. Follow your own heart's desire and do what you want. There's a lot of ways we use follow today. A lot of ways we can follow, most of which cost us nothing. Most of which expect nothing from us. It can be a challenge to follow Jesus when there are so many other voices, so many other ideas that cost us nothing but are calling to us, follow me. Hey, follow us. Come on, this will be easy. You'll love this. It's a piece of cake. Won't cost you a thing. Follow us. Jesus calls us to follow. But he's pretty straight about the significance of this decision. These words in Scripture are surely meant to be attention-getting statements. Words to remind would-be followers that this is not the place for half-hearted or secondary-level commitments. The first response of Jesus was foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. I think he wanted this potential follower to understand that following Jesus was not necessarily going to be the easiest, cushiest, most convenient choice he could make. It might lead to all kinds of places, uncomfortable places even. It might mean that your normal, comfortable lifestyle could be interrupted, maybe even changed drastically by choice to follow Jesus. The first response seemed to be a statement to say, I want you to follow me, but understand following me does not guarantee an easy, perfect life. It could, but there's no guarantee. That's not the point. That's not the promise. So he was saying, look, don't sign up for this if you're expecting everything to be smooth and easy going. This is a serious choice, a serious time to decide if you're ready for this. But understand, once you make this choice, it's going to change your life. Then there's the response to another potential follower. He just wanted to bury his father. Nothing outlandish. Jesus says, wait, let the dead bury the dead. But didn't Jesus understand? Doesn't he understand the situation here? Religious duty of the time demanded that a dead relative be buried. If the loved one is left unburied, all the relatives will be considered ceremonially unclean. Yet Jesus' response is, let the dead 
maybe the spiritually dead, those who do not or will not choose to share life in Christ. Let the dead, those who have not chosen to follow Christ, let the dead bury the dead. What kind of response is that? Well, we need to understand, we need to understand the practice of primary and secondary burial that was common at the time. Primary burial involved sealing the body in a tomb for as much as 12 months. During that time, the body would decompose, and at the end of that time period, all that was left were bones. Then the bones would be collected and reburied in an ossuary or a bone box in which they'd be placed. To fulfill this tradition, over all that period of time could mean this man was saying, Jesus, I want to follow you, but it might have to wait a year or so. It could be a long time before I'm ready to do this. So it's possible Jesus was saying to this man, let somebody else who's not right now seeking to follow me, let somebody else take care of that for you. You can't wait that long to follow me. You can't afford to waste that kind of time, you have more pressing issues if you want to follow me. I don't think Jesus was devaluing the religious tradition or the family connection. But he was saying, look, now is the time. Not that burying the father was a bad thing, but if it meant waiting a year to follow Christ, that was a delay that was unacceptable compromise at that point. Doesn't it seem like there's always something we could be taking care of in our world today? I mean, it's not uncommon at all to hear somebody say, well, I need to do this or I need to take care of that before I begin to follow Jesus. But I will sometime when I get everything else taken care of. There seems to always be an easy to grab reason for not following. Today, what is it in our lives that, that could prevent us from fully following Jesus? Not just marking the box of church membership, not just, oh yeah, I want to be that good person. This is the choice to make everything else second to genuinely following Christ. Are there things in our lives that could delay us or prevent us from completely following Jesus every day? Are we grabbing onto some of those excuses? Then there's the third person who would follow Jesus. I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom, Jesus said. What? Is Jesus anti-family? No, not at all. Scripture's full of guidance about caring for and loving family. But this is another exaggerated statement that is a call to put everything else 
in a secondary position in contrast to fully following Jesus. It's a call to look forward, to move forward rather than look back at where we've been. Because looking back can mean we can be distracted. We can lose our way on the journey. Now, Jesus uses a farming example. And some of you have, who have either driven a tractor or plowed with a rototiller or something like that can relate to the idea. But you don't have to be a farmer to understand this concept. You can't drive safely if you're looking back for very long either. You can't even walk in a straight line if you're looking back for very long. I mean, I've seen people, maybe you have too, seen somebody run into a door or a wall because they were looking that way instead of where they were headed. If we don't look forward, we can easily swerve from our intended destination. This response of Jesus is a call to say, focus on what's ahead of you. It's what matters because it's where I'm leading you. See, there's always something else to distract us from following. Maybe something good. Maybe something really good. But the call to truly follow Christ is not just another good thing. It's the best thing. And this is a call to not let good things push the best thing out of the way. Everything else can distract us. If we don't stay on track and moving forward, we can easily get off track by thinking, well, I'll follow Jesus, but first, or let me take care of this other thing and then I'll be a good follower. I think this response is a call to not look back at what's in the past. Sometimes the past is full of good things that we look back and remember and we celebrate and even give thanks for, but in looking back, we miss what's ahead. Looking back also might be caused by some sinful things in our past. And we look back and think, wow, did I really do that? Is that still going on in my life? I did all of those things. Am I really worthy to follow? And, and there's, now there's distraction from that. Looking back rather than where God's taking us. God calls us forward to follow Christ. If we get hung up on what's behind, we'll get distracted. It just happens. Hopefully, as we've considered these verses this morning, we now come to a point where we can ask, how are our lives different because we're followers of Jesus Christ? How are our lives different because we're followers of Jesus? Discipleship means living in ways we might not live otherwise. Making decisions we might not otherwise make. Following Christ when it would be easier to follow anyone or anything else. I believe that if we follow Christ, seek God's will through the scripture Seek God's direction and power in our lives through prayer. Stay focused 
on the Lord as we join with each other walking the Christian journey together, that we will live differently. Can we look at our lives and be assured that, yes, there are differences, evident differences in me because of my choice to fully follow Jesus? Can we look at our own lives and say, yes, Yes, there are differences in who I am because I follow Jesus. The invitation, come follow me, is still being spoken to our hearts today. Not only inviting us to go to church, but inviting us to full followership Are we willing to say a complete yes to the call of Jesus? Follow me. Or are we always going to have some good excuse to put it off a little bit longer? Or maybe we only partially follow and partially participate. How fully are we following the leader? Think back just a few minutes to that opening follow the leader skit thing. Which of the followers are we most like today? There was one who fully and enthusiastically followed and did everything I did. There was one in the middle that kind of followed and did some level of following and participation. And there was one that was kind of like, uh, yeah, I'm here. But that was about it. The call is to follow. Follow our leader. Which one are we being most like of those people we saw portray following earlier? I want to give you a minute or two this morning to prayerfully consider what it means for you to continue following Christ Fully. In today's world where people are afraid and uncertain and lonely and lacking direction. How is your decision to fully follow Christ impacting the way you live right now? Or a decision not made to do that? Could there be even more to following than what we're currently experiencing? I'm guessing most of us would say, sure. God's not done with us yet. There's more. Are we following for a fuller, more complete experience? Or are we putting off full followership for something else? Are we following our leader in name only? Or just barely following? Or are we doing everything we can possibly do to follow our leader, Jesus? As you ponder that question for a minute or so, I'm going to ask Sarah to come and sing a couple verses of an old hymn to help us reflect on our following. You listen as you prayerfully ponder what following can mean today.
and what it can mean tomorrow and the rest of this week and on into the future. Would you pray with me? Lord, give us grace to follow. Give us hearts to follow you, our leader. Give us a hungering for full and complete followership. We need you. We need to follow you. Give us all that it takes to do that. Help us to offer that to you as an act of love. Help us to follow this week and always. In Christ's name, amen.